You're listening to Once, episode 109, The Heart of the Truest Believer. Welcome back to another episode of Once, the unofficial podcast about ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. And I'm Jenny. We're happy to have you with us, and we've got some cool things that you can do for us in the podcast awards. Go to oncepodcast.com slash podcast awards to find out more about that, or I'll tell you more in a little bit. But we have watched and rewatched the episode, The Heart of the Truest Believer, And we are ready to discuss this with some of your feedback, some screenshots, some awesome things to dig into with this episode. And you can follow along in the show notes if you'd like over at oncepodcast.com slash 109. We're up there in numbers. We're getting old. Almost as old (laughs) as Rumpelstiltskin. Uh, Well, not quite that old. Not yet. We may by the time the series ends. Oh, man. Yeah, we could be. Did you just, you referenced the end. Eventually. Well, but yeah. before we get to the end, let's step back 11 years. That's a long time. That's a long step. Did you know? <laughs> it, it is a long step. I don't think my step. legs are that wide. I can't step Made 11 years back. Oh, so much easier by the caption. As if the birth isn't enough of a clue. Well, she didn't look any younger. I know. I maybe wanted that's to see why. her glasses. But then she said, stuff. I can't be a mother. So if. How could it be any child other than Henry? Yeah. It would have worked without the caption. The, I would have liked to have been confused for a second. <laughs> the clock, and probably everyone has seen this by now, the clock was at 8.14 and it switched mm-hmm. to 8.15. You know what I noticed? This time around, she had handcuffs on her ankles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, creepy. Yeah. yeah. She's in jail. I know, but creepy. Which, which makes me think that... Um, She's had some incidents where she's tried to run um, away from the officer uh, often because why would they handcuff her to the operation (laughs) table while she's giving birth? Delivery table, yeah. While she's giving birth. Maybe it's just standard procedure at the jail. Slash hospital. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could see that. But then again, it was creepy with the corrections officer standing there. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense because she was still a prisoner at this point. And the handcuffs, though. Yeah. I'm well, gonna... actually, in this case, I think we could call it ankle cuffs. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> whatever works. Or feet cuffs. Feet cuffs. <laughs> yes. And then, yeah, we talked about the, the electronics flickering before, but it, you know, of course, I was paying more attention this time, and that was pretty pronounced. I'm thinking it was Emma, not Henry, who caused that to happen. I yeah. mean, it still could be the other way around. It could be both of them. They are both. But... Connected through blood magic. <laughs> Which we'll get into later. <laughs> but one thing I thought of is a, a theme that comes out in this episode is the power of a mother. Like, think the about... power! <laughs> Mommy think about power! Later in this episode, <laughs> the last thing we see of the six people, or the five people, on the island is Emma saying, you're this, you're this, you're this. And Regina asked her, what are you? She said, I'm a mother. Yeah, which... And 
I've got some stuff to say about that later. We saw the curse broken originally in season one with True Love's Kiss from a mother. And the way that they introduced this is showing Emma saying, I can't be a mother, but she was crying about it and she didn't want to even see Henry. And it seemed like, I'm just wondering if there actually was some kind of true love power going on there. And that's why the lights flickered. And and some of that was coming out, but she just, she, she felt like she couldn't accept it. She didn't believe it enough. And, and this, so much of this episode is also about belief as well. Mm-hmm. So I do wonder if they're going to come back to this a little bit in any way. Originally, I was thinking this is going to be the scene that makes us ask so many questions, just like the original second season premiere. But uh, I I really wonder if the whole birthing scene will have that many questions, but I don't know. Yeah. But before then, we move on from that, because we may never get some of those answers, or it may be a question we don't even need to ask. I, I you know, I'm good at sometimes asking those questions. <laughs> Let's move on to Neverland. But before we do, I want to thank a couple people who left some <laughs> iTunes reviews for us. Think of this as mermaids. <laughs> <laughs> the mermaids slapping the ship before we can get to the island. Exactly. <laughs> thank you so much to our glowing mermaids who went to... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I really hope all of our... our... Whoever you're going to say right now, girls, otherwise. <laughs> They're going to be mermaid. Uh, well, we'll see. But thank you to, for going to oncepodcast.com and leaving a review in iTunes, writing a review, not just rating us with a few stars, but writing a review. We've got Straight Edge 07, The Lost Passenger, who is Chris Topher, and Natty K UK, Crazy J 414, and <laughs> Or Actually, it's Smartin. What that's the? that's my imitating the hyphens and underscores that oh, surround okay. the name. <laughs> yes, if you have weird pr- pr- uh, punctuation in your name, I may sometimes talk, try to pronounce it. Thank you all. Yes, thank you. It encourages us to see those reviews, read them, and it really helps other people find the podcast as well. And when we launch our Wonderland podcast, which we will most likely announce... In our next episode of Once Podcast, you'll be able to subscribe to Wonderland Podcast. When we launch that, please subscribe in iTunes. Even if you're not interested in the show, please subscribe and write a review for it because it will really help that show launch with a nice big jump. We will not be talking about Once Upon a Time in Wonderland here in Once Podcast. That's what our new podcast will be for. Yeah, not much. (laughs) There might be a little crossover here and there. But so thank you so much for leaving those ratings and reviews. If you'd like to leave a review, go to oncepodcast.com slash iTunes. You can also go there to mark these reviews as helpful. So thank you very much. Now, the journey to Neverland. One of the things that we have to remember about Neverland is that time works differently there. Yeah, for real. And (laughs) initially, I was thinking... What we're seeing in Neverland may not actually be happening simultaneously. Because remember what they did to us in the premiere of uh, second season is that they showed us all of the stuff parallel when it actually happened after the events in, in Storybrooke. So initially I was thinking maybe the whole thing with Greg and Tamara has already happened mm-hmm. timeline-wise according to everyone else that's I coming. I think I know how you're going to disprove yourself. Rumpelstiltskin? No. Finding Tamara. No. Oh, that. that. Yeah. That's what ties it in and also shows Also children that. flying overhead. Yes. 
Yes. That was the other detail. Mm-hmm. So these things do tie it in to show that time in Neverland is parallel. But it does make me wonder. Yeah, to itself. <laughs> what about what's going to happen in Storybrooke? Is Rumbell fans are going to hate me. Is Rumpelstiltskin going to come back to Storybrooke and find out that Belle is an old oh, aged no. woman? I do not want that to happen. Well, he could. He could. He could totally. He could make her 14 again. Wait, he that could, would turn the clock back. He could back. turn the clock back. <laughs> that would be stinking weird. But then she'd be as old as him. Well, then she'd be wise. Kind of, that'd be kind of cool. She'd be wise. That'd be cool. <laughs> not to say that she's not wise. Not she'd be wiser. Yes, she would have more wisdom. Unlike perhaps the difference between Emma and her parents. <laughs> <laughs> no, they have equal amounts of wisdom now. <laughs> I know, sort of, but we'll get to that. So, in the intro that we see of greg and tamara coming into neverland nice pop out from the portal pop out yeah they popped out they henry totally popped out they popped out <laughs> like the ship popped it out it looks really oh now that makes sense because the ship did pop out so <laughs> now i know why henry went flying because yeah, i was thinking it looked like he came out of the air well <laughs> that was probably like an arc that he did oh as he was spat yeah, upon the beach. Spat out. I was highly annoyed by the fact that they landed on that beach and the ship came out way out in the ocean. Well, I think it's a little bit of how the bean is used that influences where you pop out. But yeah, mm. that, that could be one of those things that kind of leaves us, us to question it. But uh, interesting little thing is Greg called Tamara... He just jumped over the whole pronunciation thing of Tamara, Tamara, and all of that. Yeah. And he called her T. Yeah. Which I thought that could either be cute or a coworker nickname or. Well, they did like co-worker. each other quite a lot. They yeah. liked each other enough to kiss quite each other. Quite a lot. <laughs> but when Henry was questioning, something seemed a little bit familiar to me. Listen to this You're here to destroy Neverland. <laughs> it's the mother load of magic. Okay, does that sound familiar? It's it another like load of magic. Gold Rush! How about this? And if you wanted the dragon's little bit of magic, well, you have hit the mother load here, and you are not going to harm anyone to get it. Whoa. That was August to Tamara in the episode Selfless, Brave, and True. So we have to stop describing magic in Gold Rush terms. <laughs> <laughs> so their perspective is that never they're there to destroy magic in Neverland and that the home office is some secret mm-hmm. base on mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. So then there's the communicator, which were they not using that before? I think they probably were because she said the status light, it, it light isn't on and somehow they've heard from the home office in some way. So did it change when they got there, which is what I initially thought. Or was it something they were supposed to use when they got there and it never worked? Mm-hmm. Maybe that's it. Oh, uh, yeah. So then how were they communicating all this time? Maybe they had another walkie-talkie. Maybe. I guess my big question here is going to be, have they basically wrapped up and abandoned the idea or the plot of what they were actually doing in our world? And how that all, like the mechanics, are we ever going to know... Does that not matter? Where did they get all their equipment? How were they communicating? Why did they believe that this was 
the mission. Yeah. Like, okay, you can be told that, but what was their real motivation? Greg's, I get a little bit. But still, you've got to be pretty convincing to be like, yes, we are a home office, not, you know, just, just maybe, some teenagers. Maybe Pan just knew, you know, based on their history, that they would easily hate magic. Mm. Well, he said that later. It's easier to get people to hate than to believe. Yeah, yeah. and that's what I'm referring to. So he found, just, <laughs> so he found people that <laughs> hate magic. But the, um, the logistics, though, I just I'm, yeah, yeah, I don't know. It could be that somehow they were able to communicate magically over. I had two thoughts of what happened with the walkie-talkie. One is maybe it was an actual radio that worked, and that's somehow how they communicated with the home office, which is the Lost Boys. And then when they got to Neverland, because Neverland is a place where boys never grow up, maybe electronics or toys turn into, or electronics turn into (laughs) toys. Oh, I mean, I kind of thought maybe, but I don't know. I don't want to believe that. I also like that her first thought wasn't, gee, we jumped into the ocean. We're all wet. I wonder if that's why this thing doesn't work. Well, the other thing I thought of is what if technology doesn't work in Neverland and things like technology, electronic power just disintegrates because that's Mm -hmm. the only thing that we've seen electronic try to be used in Neverland so far. It could be. That was my first thought. And then I changed my mind, but it still could be. How did they get to Neverland if they didn't know where they were going? They did. They did? Because she told Henry really, really bluntly, this is Neverland. I'm like, okay, why did you just tell him that? Yeah, they knew where they were going. Okay. And as For some Neil, reason, I, I thought they didn't know where they were going. As Neil so wonderfully explained to us, you have to think of where you want to go when you go through a portal. Mm-hmm. And they were thinking, home office, home office. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. I like that Hook called Regina a hot-headed queen. <laughs> he did? Fits, yeah. <laughs> I missed that. Yeah, when, when she was upset about, why are you slowing down? <laughs> okay, this especially the second time around, I thought that was a stupid question both times. Because it's like, he turns the wheel. That is not how you slow a ship, you can't to really my knowledge. Sh- you slow a boat down, can you? Unless you have oars. Yeah, you can, by you can, adjusting but, the sails. Yeah, so it was like, she almost connected it to what he did there. And I was like, that's not... But this time around, I thought it was funny for two reasons. Number one... It seemed funny that she asked, but number two, that is probably about the moment that I was also asking that question about the episode a little bit, because I expected them to dive in with the high-speed chase to the island, and then all of a sudden they're kind of sailing, and she goes, why are we slowing down? Like, yeah, why? Why are we? I thought that the first time, the first (laughs) two times we watched it, actually. Really? Uh, Because Jenny and I got to see it early. Yeah. Uh, So I've seen this now Four times, I think we figured out. I thought you said three. Um, the third time <laughs> I watched it, I realized so much good stuff, so much good conversation came out while they were on the ship. It I'm did. glad that they stayed on there. It did. But in that case, it should have been a two-hour premiere. <laughs> yeah, it would because, have been nice. Because, yes, it, was, it, it slowed down. The momentum changed. And I wasn't expecting it. So the first time around, I didn't like it as well. The second time around, I liked it better. Because I knew what to expect. Hook said that he spent more time on this island than he can remember trying to figure out how to leave Neverland. And so still there's this idea. 
how did people get off Neverland? How are they going to get off Neverland? We got this email in from Zyera saying, "So, uh, whatever happened to Wendy? So many people are saying that she manipulated Bay to go to Neverland to save her brothers or that she has been in league with Pan the whole time, mainly that she is bad. Now, my theory is that Wendy is the reason Bay got back home from Neverland. If she was indeed with Pan before, I think she was either manipulated or threatened. In any case, she saw that it was wrong and probably felt a lot of guilt. Therefore, maybe she made a deal with Peter to get Neil home and went to Neverland in his place. My guess is that she wouldn't have told Bay and he would have never found out because she knew he wouldn't agree. But in the end, she saved him and allowed him to return to our world. So maybe we'll see Wendy. Hmm. I want to see Wendy. Peter Pan's story is not complete without Wendy. (laughs) And if I don't get to see Wendy and Pan together, I'm going to (laughs) cry. She might too, except she liked Bay, not Peter Pan. So far as we know. I, I do Whoa. like the idea that maybe... Wouldn't that be weird if we saw Wendy with the, uh, you know, adult Balefire? <laughs> like if we saw her meet him? Uh... Hi, I'm Bay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Wendy. Oh, like Kid Wendy living <laughs> yeah, kid on, Wendy. in Neverland? Oh. Yeah. If if she would be a kid in Neverland, yeah, she it's possible be a kid she anymore. could be a grown woman in Neverland. Because it might have taken her a while to figure out how to get to Neverland in order to save Bay. True. Because mm-hmm. we don't know how long Hook and Bay were in Neverland, and we don't know how they got off Neverland. True. So many times, speaking of getting off, so many times in this episode, they focused on people's feet walking on Neverland soil. Did they? They did it with Rumpelstiltskin. They did it when Bay first walked on Neverland in last season. Um, and they also did it with our five people who rode the boat to the island. And when Henry hit, he really should have broken his ankle. But we did see his feet hit <laughs> Neverland. Yeah. For I, Henry, it was it more like painful. face plant in Neverland. Yeah. He, he definitely landed feet first. It looked painful. I actually wrote that down. It looked so painful. Regina and Hook have this conversation. Oh, you mean the small talk about being villains? Yeah. (laughs) Greg Mandel said something funny to me. (laughs) At the water cooler. He said I'm a villain. And that villains don't get happy endings. You believe that? I hope not. And we've wasted our lives. So let me get this straight. You two have been working under the assumption that yes i'm a villain who's gonna get a happy ending i don't i don't you might be from the enchanted force but shouldn't you understand the word villain shouldn't you understand how life generally works i don't know i felt like it was a strange like an introduction of a topic but it it felt I don't know. Well, look at Regina's Passed history. on. She started out hopeful, in love, on the direction toward her happy ending. Then Snow and Cora ended that. And so Regina then blames Snow and wants, still wants a happy ending. All this time, she's wanted a happy ending, but she also wanted revenge on Snow. 
And yeah. there were times throughout that that she thought, well, maybe this could still work out. Like the the episode where we saw uh, Regina disguised as a regal potato. <laughs> that in that episode, she seemed like she did want to be family again and have that happy ending. But because of her actions, she realized, nope, can't. Right. That's why she said, the queen is dead. Long live the evil queen. And I'm fine with all that. It's just the way it was phrased, it was sort of like, so now you think that being a villain is like this cast that you cannot change. I don't know. Because cause it was more natural, like when Cora said, I'm not wicked. You know, okay, so people are going to say they're villains. They're going to say they're not villains. They don't see themselves that way. So she's just kind of like, hmm, do you think we're villains? Maybe that's why we can't get happy endings. We're just, we're of the race villain. I wonder if that could be true. That was kind of how it came out, and it was weird. She embraced the title, the evil queen, in true. Enchanted Forest for So a while. then it should not come as no shock to be called a villain. But remember in the finale of the second season, and straight on till morning, when she was trying to power down the trigger, she said, let me die as Regina. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as that was all done, she gets on the ship and starts well, regaling it up again, which yeah, is kind of weird. Obviously, she's got some issues that she's dealing <laughs> with. But Understatement uh, it's, of the season. I mean, it's, you know, any person who basically makes some kind of major repentance can still have some struggles with it. True. Whether it's deciding to quit a nasty habit or just you committed some terrible crime and you are sorry and you're repenting from that there is still a basic struggle with that that you have to try to overcome and i think that's what we're seeing with regina is that she does truly want to be redeemed and she's trying to pursue that but struggling so much with it mm-hmm. you know what we didn't touch on something What's what? that? that shadows get ripped into oblivion <laughs> yeah and the shat peter whoever the shadow the shadow whatever who's whoever shadow he is that ripped the other sh- greg's shadow he doesn't look like he's in oblivion to see a special shadow well it was peter pan later on who said the shadow was ripped in or shadows would be ripped into oblivion do you think he's just trying to spread fear or is that really what happens I don't know, because you think about Felix's original description of it. <laughs> it doesn't sound like a good thing, but then again, there is the shadow there is the going shadow. around. And so let's jump to the scene of uh, the home office approaches Greg and Tamara. When the shadow comes down and rips out Greg's shadow... I wasn't expecting it to come out of his back. I was expecting it to come <laughs> off the ground. Oh, I see. Like, rip from his feet, not his uh, back. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of like as if it's his soul. Yeah. Not just his physical shadow. People kept saying it was his soul, and they weren't even mentioning shadows, which I was like, we already know that's what happens. Except I thought Peter was supposed to do the ripping, not the shadow. Maybe the shadow is Peter. I'm the sha- sure it's probably his. And Peter his. is the shadow. I don't know Maybe that they're one Peter's and the same. shadow. I think they belong together. Just like in just like the know, story we know. Shadow and pan. <laughs> Only a little more sinister. <laughs> but uh, did you notice the eyes were still glowing on Greg's shadow? Yes. His eyes were glowing. His eyes were orange. I thought they were and purple. 
No, the the shadows eyes are a purplish. Right? Yes, there uh, will be a screenshot in the show notes. Onespodcast.com slash one zero. Last time we had discussions about colors of magic, I was right. <laughs> <laughs> but it makes I me wonder right, if though. that's going to be some little identifying characteristic, and might we see Greg again? I don't know. Like maybe helping everyone. The as shadow, the knows. friendly shadow. I don't think he's dead. Greg I think the he's friendly. just shadowless. <laughs> I don't know what that is like. I don't know what that is. Maybe, maybe they lose a part of, uh, part of their goodness or part of their ability to. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what it is. We're just going to find out. We got a great, insightful email from Tobias saying the way in which Greg's shadow was ripped really caught my eye. It looked like his shadow came from inside Greg's body and not like Greg's shadow was attached to him, like we just mentioned. This reminds me of the shades in Greek mythology. They are the spirits of the dead residing in Hades. So maybe Peter Pan's shadow is able to extract a person's spirit and turn it into a shade, which causes the death of his body. Pan is already named after a Greek god, which is the origin of the word panic. So it (laughs) might be possible that there are more connections between Peter Pan and Greek mythology. That's interesting. great insight there, Tobias. Wow. Wow. And, you know, we can say, and some people may even toss around the words and maybe even officially tell us, Greg is dead. Well, okay, sure, I can accept that. But his shadow lives on. (laughs) (laughs) So, maybe as we go on, we're going to find out that it's more like the Lost Boys call it a shadow because that's what they see. But maybe it kind of is a soul. So, similar to taking a heart. Hmm. Now, I don't think Greg's get dead, not dead. <laughs> I don't think he's dead. Adam Horowitz did confirm on a tweet that Greg's body is dead. Oh. What? But, yeah, and I think... What are they going to do with the body? Are they going to bury it? I don't know. Maybe are they Regina will bury it. Put it in a tree? But it what? does... Are they going to put it in the water? Mermaid it does food. make me wonder if maybe the shadow will come back and help. Then there might be a war of shadows or... Uh, <laughs> war please, of shadows. No. Yes, by the end of the season, everyone's shadows will be ripped out. And it'll just be a bunch of... It saves on pain actors, quite frankly, because <laughs> the shadows can't talk and they have no faces. So it's just a bunch of CGI shadows. Yeah. So watch out for any shadows with orange eyes and it might possibly be Greg. Even outside of the show, in your actual day-to-day life, if you see a shadow with orange eyes, sure, it might be Greg, but still run. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's go back to the ship as they start. Tension starts to rise. Emma started by blaming Snow for how things turned out, and there's a lot of relationship struggle in this episode. Just listen to this. I blame you. All this happened because I listened to you. You say good always wins? It doesn't. I didn't grow up in some fairy tale land. My experience is different. That's all I can go on. So, to me, at first, this whole thing didn't make sense either. I think that my expectations were just a little bit askew because of the finale last year. It's like there was all this conflict, there was all this tension. Then they all came together. First they save the town, then they unite and they get on the ship to chase after Henry. And I figured there'd be problems, 
But I thought there'd be we'd see this sort of unified force rushing to the island, jumping into something mysterious and scary. So when suddenly we start to see all this fracturing that happened, probably partially because of losing Henry. Mm-hmm. I guess I wasn't ready for it. But this whole all made a whole lot more sense this time around as I thought about it. Do you know what I thought? As soon as they as they came out of that portal, they all became moody. Yeah. <laughs> Why was that? Well, see, that, that's how it felt to me at first. And it, I guess there could still be something to that. But I, mean, I guess I can see why Emma would say that now. It was just, it was a little, it felt a little out of the blue at the time. But she had just had a chance to stop and think, hey, wait a minute, we didn't win after all. But this is around the time that tension started to rise just a little. I mean, this is before the whole storm hit. But I think Jenny's point is uh, really good and probably, I would say, correct. That when you get to Neverland, it's just you're tested so much. And you you only have the past, really. Kitsis and Horwitz have talked about this then Neverland because time, you don't age. You don't have a future, really, in Neverland. All you have is the past, and being confronted with that so much, that's going to make some people moody. Yeah. And the full moon. But with- Maybe that contributed. <laughs> yeah, we're talking minutes. <laughs> minutes. But, you know. Well, speaking of minutes, Snow had something very Snow-like to say. The minute I let go of the belief that things will get better is the minute I know they won't. So anyway, she's using time. <laughs> Neverland. <laughs> yeah, very true. <laughs> well, a minute is, in a sense, kind of all they have right now. Is what they have. They have the same minute always. That's <laughs> depressing. Philosophical. That's depressing. That's like breathing the same air, like <laughs> over and over. No fresh air. Well, someone who took <laughs> advantage of the minutes that they had was Rumpelstiltskin oh, to make the wardrobe change. Oh, man. Which, the way that he talked about it kind of seemed like he was saying that he needed to look that way. He did say, I'm going to get Henry. But it also seemed like he was implying that he needed to change and get Henry because he could do it that way and no one else could. Yeah. I don't know why they didn't just show the wardrobe change. How did he disappear? I didn't see smoke. I didn't see anything. <laughs> and let me clarify. I meant in a flash of smoke, not like changing. Well, he doesn't need smoke. <laughs> well, the the la- yes, he does. He's always needed smoke before. But the thing is, the last thing he said, well, maybe not the last, but one of the things he said was, in Neverland, imaginations run wild. So it was just, you know scary (laughs) well think about he's apparently very scared in a sense the smoke and teleporting thing we've seen regina use smoke to teleport all the time her magic smoke swirls the time that we've seen rumpelstiltskin use smoke was in the crocodile which was very early in being the dark one oh so you think he's kind of developed a skill for not needing smoke think about the sword fight in the oh. season one finale. And when he appeared to Regina. Between Prince Charming and Rumpelstiltskin. Do you remember when she was saying, Rumpelstiltskin? And he was like, that's not how you put up today. He's always just poof, <laughs> yeah. there. And the same not thing. Not even poof. Just yeah, yeah, that's true. No there. Poof. 
He's no poof poop. free. He but pops <laughs> just like everybody else. He just pops. No, it doesn't even pop. Well, it's just okay. there. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And also, thank- get it right. <laughs> the time also, I was trying to think here when Robin Hood shot him with the arrow. I don't think there was smoke that time either. Mm. I think he just popped out and popped in somewhere else. What do you call nothing? He just nothinged away or nothinged there. He just. Not even a pop, not even a sound, not even a smoke. Zoops. (laughs) I, and I was not alone according to the chat room. He started spinning his cane and I thought he was doing something to Emma. So I was completely focused. I mean, yeah, they want us to focus on the cane, but I didn't. I think maybe because of where Regina was standing and it was all dark and shadowy for just a second. I didn't quite realize he had disappeared. I didn't quite get it. And everybody's watching the cane. Then they showed from overhead and I was like, ah, is he not there? Well, I think there are a lot of religious statements going on in here. And some of them I can agree with. Some of them I can't. As a Christian, I can't agree with some of the things. But um, we'll take the show as it's presented. He was talking about a leap of faith without any proof. Think about a common thing that was uh, shared from the Bible is the lame people walk, blind people see, also walk by faith, not by sight. Certain principles like this, Rumpelstiltskin is, in a sense, borrowing from, or the writers are borrowing from, for Rumpelstiltskin to explain this and say, use these metaphors. And even with the physical thing that he was lame, now he walks. And it's it's a very odd take on that, of uh, or an odd combination of things. And... He points out that because Emma doesn't have belief, that's why she can't win. Well, interestingly, I mean, now that you bring that up, the whole thing that happened kind of later on with the storm and Emma jumping out could be sort of um, a shadow of the story of Peter walking on water, getting out of the boat in the storm. And of course, she didn't walk on the water which I'm glad for because that would have been weird. Um, but, uh, you know, some some similarities, vague, vague similarities there. I don't know if they were intentional. I didn't see her walk on water. No, <laughs> no. She had, uh, you know, a pulley gun in for her. Well, I still they, say she just it was... needed to. Well, well, we'll get to that in a moment. <laughs> she just needed to get their attention. And that was yeah, we'll get... the first way that she thought of. She yeah. got her, she got, it worked. We'll she get got to their that attention. in a moment. Uh, in thinking about the, the faith aspect of this and what Emma needs to do as part of this and her role with belief and everything. Once Wizards sent us this message saying another interesting note about Emma in the opening scene, she said, I can't be a mother in the original Peter Pan story, the lost boys and Pan just wanted a mother. Wendy was the mother figure in the original Peter Pan story. Wendy helped the Lost Boys, and she even reattached Pan's shadow. What if Emma has to become their mother? Hmm. And what if she, and what if she is finally able to comfortably use her magic to reattach Pan's shadow? Hmm. Ooh, that'd be awesome! And I would add to this an addendum because she now believes. Yeah, and she's sort of a Wendy. Or I mean, she, at this point in our discussion, she doesn't believe. She's confronted with this Rumpelstiltskin saying, "You don't believe. That's right. why you can't win." Hmm. But I was confused by Rumpelstiltskin's telling Emma that she needed someone to, in a sense, hold her hand. Yeah, 
And then he was like, I can't do that for you. And then he just disappeared. <laughs> Here's my cane. He said, Peter Pan. <laughs> Have my cane. Maybe that'll help you. He said, Peter Pan is too fearsome for hand holding. And we have not seen that fearsomeness yet. Well, yeah, we have. Sort of. <laughs> I, I would say no, not yet. I mean, we've seen he's upset, but we haven't seen fearsome that I've Rumpelstiltskin, seen fearsome. That Rumpelstiltskin is afraid of. Yeah, I've seen fearsome. I haven't seen acts of fearsomeness yet because, yeah. you know, what the heck does Let's Play mean? <laughs> but I'm sure we'll find out in the next episode. I'm thinking a game of keep away and Henry's the ball. <laughs> oh. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> scary i would be really freaked out if i were henry right now well while emma then goes to warm up for a fight uh in the meantime uh well hook then came gave emma bellfire's sword mm-hmm. and i'd say hook actually mm-hmm. is a little bit sentimental isn't he sweet isn't he nice isn't he winning emma over can we please Stop trying to pretend that he wasn't ready to kill Belle in a second at one point. Well, yeah. He's a pirate. (laughs) I still, they make me want to like him. And it's like, come on. He is a womanizing murderer. Okay. But. Sorry, people. But (laughs) at the same time, I mean, even look at these crime groups in real life. They are very loyal to their family as long as their family's in the right group with them but they will be very loyal and very vengeful if their family is harmed i think hook really feels like bay is in some way his family his we son, don't kind of yeah and we don't know if that brief little bit of time they spent together was really all of their time because bay could have been on neverland and seen hook many more times than just what we saw in the finale of the second season so it's possible they had even more time to develop their relationship Maybe there was like some liaison going on between Hook and Peter Pan and Bay was that liaison or anything like that. Some kind of connection that could have been made even deeper that would cause Hook to have these fatherly feelings. And around the same time is when Henry then runs away from the group as Greg's shadow is ripped out and Mm -hmm. Peter Pan grabbed him. And... Pan said that he referred to the shadow as bringing everyone. It seemed like he was saying that the shadow brought everyone to Neverland. Well, he did, didn't he? It was just, he said, did the shadow bring you? As if everyone else has been brought by the shadow. Well, he brought, the the shadow brought Wendy and the shadow brought Bay. I think, I think it's safe to assume that the shadow's the only one who can leave and come back to Neverland right now. Probably. Yeah. And now it's sort of true. The orange-eyed shadow brought him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, before he was a shadow. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, but technicalities. A really odd thing stood out to me about Peter Pan's connection with the island. Pan and his forces are in tune with every grain of sand on the island. We must be careful. In tune with every grain of sand. That's why they wanted to go to the Echo Caves, because they couldn't be tracked there. Uh, if you believe in the echo caves, there might be a <clears throat> grain of truth in that. <laughs> but uh, first he's like, uh, it's really far. And then they're running for like an hour and they're like, we're almost there. Which I guess running for an hour would be a long time. Yeah, that would be. That would be far. Sure. Okay. I can buy it in again, I guess. 
Well, so <laughs> but it was all a lie anyway. We already know that. So why should I believe it? <laughs> if if Peter, I mean, think about how can Peter be in tune with the island in such detail? Does he have some actual connection? Or I mean, maybe it's like the Wizard of Oz. Maybe it's all just he's just like. Oh, I'm big and powerful. Peter, Peter Pan's he, a riddle, and he—he's in all the stories I've seen. He is connected in some way to Neverland, like he's very much in tune with Neverland. Oh yeah, I'm—I'm I'm thinking of the new newish movie from the early 2000s. It reflected his mood, didn't it? Yeah, and when he came to Neverland, that's when all the frost thawed. And ice melted and yep. all of that. It was spring again when Peter was back. Everyone knew that Peter was back because the season changed. Hmm. Yep. <laughs> so maybe there's... Before that, it was always winter and never Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I think Pan is connected to Neverland very much so. In what way would be interesting to see? And will be. will the island reflect that connection? in some way to him as well peter pan is very menacing but i've never i've never imagined him as a villain which is what he seems to be well i love that they're taking a different approach to these fairy tales yeah i mean certainly disney took a different approach anyway because disney cleaned up a lot of the fairy tales from their actual Mm -hmm. grim fairy tales background does it look i haven't i haven't read any of the grim fairy tales we need to buy some some grim fairy tale books we've that Once Upon a Time book that you and I were reading oh, for a little while. That's the Grim Fairy Tales. Oh, Some it's not of them, paper, anyway. so I don't <laughs> read it. Ebook. <laughs> so, I forgot what I was going to say. Anyway. Mermaids! Mermaids! <laughs> it's always a good place Love to go. Still? Yeah. They're, they're, the curse of the mermaids is quite real. And why do you think they were attacking the ship? Because it was Hook's boat. I think they just... Don't like Hook because Hook is Hook is a bad guy in Neverland. They're like he's a mermaidenizing murderer. <laughs> so they they um, beat the ship with their tails. Yeah, I, I could see Kay. two other things. Maybe they're just territorial, and the ship was crossing their territory, and they don't like that. Or maybe they are in some way in league with Peter Pan. But the question was raised: Maybe the mermaids are scared of Pan as well. So it could go either direction. Maybe there will be some kind of alliance well, between the mermaids and our five or six-ish Then people. someone needs to tell one of them that the enemy of their enemy is their friend. Exactly. <laughs> Don't flap at the ship it's, <laughs> that's there to fight Pan if you're scared of him. It surprised it me no that, that Hook <laughs> didn't seem to know much about mermaids. Because he said she called the storm. So, but Do you think she, she actually called the sort? She warned. I think she just knew the nature of Neverland. Yeah, she called it a warning, but I the storm didn't start until she blew that. Well, nobody was angry until she blew that. <laughs> Not I angry think enough. She, I think she just knows the nature of Neverland, and yeah. she was warning her people to hey, swim down. There's a huge <laughs> storm up here. Swim away. <laughs> yeah, this time around, it looked like maybe she watched them starting to bicker, and she was like, oh, crap, here comes a storm. And so she warned 
whatever would actually hear that thing. I didn't think about it from that perspective. I was thinking like a warning to them on the ship. No. Why would she warn them? uh, That's what I didn't quite get. I think she was just trying to help her people out. Yeah, I think you (laughs) guys have a great perspective. Huge storm coming. I would like to believe that there was something also affecting them and making them moody, like you said, because they were acting really stupid. Well, they're going to have to... They were acting really stupid. They weren't being themselves at all. Like, oh, Snow, was that punched from your wisdom? Well, I think I think it's definitely um I think it's definitely because they're being faced by their pasts. I I just can't wait to see that explained a little more. I loved Emma's approach with this as Hook is saying, Mermaids are liars. And she's like, Of course they are. <laughs> <laughs> Note the sarcasm. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Oh, everybody knows that. There's quite there was there were a few sarcastic lines like I know. like um Rumblestilts can send one to Emma and Hook said one. <laughs> I think this really was Emma's crisis of belief that she realized what was going on. And did start to believe because from this point, when she jumped off the ship, which was a very Jonah like move, when she jumped off the ship, then she seems to be in control and knowing and believing things from that point on. And the one part of the ship that we saw actually come off hit her. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I think she just <laughs> learned, you know, in that moment that sort of a piece of the nature of. Neverland. So she problem solved really quick and said, "Hey, if I jump off the ship, it will get their attention." Yeah, that well, was a little and more. They'll than stop. A bail bonds person Rumple. Well, she did bail herself oh, out. Gosh, <laughs> it's not quite what bail bonds person does, but <laughs> oh my gosh, she knew that it would evoke a new emotion in everyone yeah. if she, <laughs> unless they just jumped. didn't notice. Yeah, that would have that would have been problematic <laughs> but, but it was a, an awesome move on her part yeah to do that jump into and, the raging waters yeah yeah sacrifice herself i mean knowing that probably assuming that everyone would see that and would come get her and mm-hmm. maybe she had some plan to make a speech from the water yeah and somebody in the chat room said she believed somebody would save her yeah she believed what would happen if she jumped off the ship so that i think is the beginning of her believing it was a leap of faith. It was a it leap was. of faith. She's she, learning so fast. She took Rumpel's <laughs> advice. Speaking of Rumpelstiltskin, this seems to be, I would say this is a darker Rumpelstiltskin that we're seeing now. Because think about it this he way. He really is as dark as people say. <laughs> think about it this way. He has all the power. He now has nothing to lose of his own. Wow. Uh, he knows he's going to die. Oh, I see. So he's yeah. not afraid of dying. He knows that he, or in his mind, he knows it's going to happen. That's the way he's interpreting it. And But he knows he can't die. He's the dark one. Well, he knows his undoing. And he, in his um, communication with Felix, said that he knows he won't survive. Mm-hmm. And that was that was brought up and he agrees with it. So I think he's thinking his undoing means he's going to die. I think it will really turn out that his undoing is something else. But so he has nothing to lose except his own life, which he knows he's going to lose anyway. Henry's going to step on a shoelace. <laughs> what? And undo his shoelace. <laughs> that was my undoing. <laughs> and he's now in the land with his seemingly biggest enemy, Peter Pan. 
Why is why is Peter Pan his biggest enemy? Why? That is an excellent question. When do we get home? Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> Let's hop into the portal now. Uh, that's great. Boing. That is a great subject for discussion. I've been wanting to use that one for a little while. That's awesome. I, I, and I know I gave a good typical Kitsis and Horowitz answer. That's a great question. You'll just have to keep watching. Yeah. <laughs> Only you don't have the knowledge. But so he's, he's got nothing to lose. He's got all this power. He's against his greatest foe, seemingly greatest foe. I think, and we're seeing that in some ways, the way that he's dealing with people. And he's no longer the, in a sense, happy-go-lucky Rumpelstiltskin. He's sober. and He looks like he's just moments away from losing it. Mm -hmm. Mm. Like, think about how he was with Tamara. He didn't say, let me help you. He said, let me help you speak. Yeah. That's all he wanted her to do is to speak. And then how would Felix describe what happened to her heart? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, Rumpelstiltskin just punched his hand in and then ripped her heart out. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. No, what? No. Why would she think that whole little plea that she made would really, I mean, I guess obviously she was desperate, but it's like, I didn't know who we were working for. So now I'm sorry that I killed your son. I felt sorry for her in well, that, in that moment. A she, little. She was being so genuine and she was begging for her, for, for she was begging for forgiveness mm-hmm. and for, she didn't know it, but her life. <laughs> Well, she probably did. Probably. She probably figured, this guy could kill me very easily. It almost seems like she knows how bad Peter Pan is, but then I would wonder, how does she know if all this time they thought the home office was some secret base somewhere? What makes you say that? Well, the way that she was saying, I didn't realize who I was working for. As if she realizes how bad that was. Well, she just knows that um, Rubble Stoltzkin... He's not a friend of Peter Pan, so I think that was just her way of saying, I didn't realize, please excuse me. Then again, in our chat room... I didn't know I was working against you, I'm so sorry. Ricky, in our chat room, said she probably wasn't really sorry. Probably true there. Maybe she was just, in a sense, begging for her life. Yeah, I mean, she still believed in what she was doing, whether she was really being told to by somebody who was being genuine or not, and she still... Did it pretty much like, yep, that's how I'm going to do this. I'm going to accomplish my mission. I'm going to kill him. That's fine. Well, we'll never know what what her heart was like because now it's just gone and she's dead. <laughs> True. True. So she could have totally been, you know, had a change of heart or she could have just been trying to manipulate, manipulate her way out of... <laughs> A bad situation. Mm-hmm. Felix said that Peter Pan is excited to see Rumpelstiltskin. <laughs> Maybe it's the sort of, oh, this is my greatest enemy. What an honor. To I have face an you idea. Again. I don't think Peter Pan. I'm not sure if he can rip hearts out. So maybe he needs Rumpelstiltskin to rip Ooh, a heart out for him because he Yikes. wants Henry's heart. It always comes down to the heart ripping. <laughs> 
Oh. Like, I can do shadows. Not the heart so much. I need that heart. You and it. <gasps> He's going to put it in himself. Whoa. Because he wants to wield the believing magic, which it is. I hope not, because that gets a little silly. Do you think he can fly yet? Peter? Yeah. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll talk more like about just him in a moment when, with the pixie dust and stuff. But uh, one of the suggestions from Jeff, our listener, one of our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> we have just one listener. Hi, just one. You, Hi listener. <laughs> Jeff said, I think that Pan somehow gave Rumpel a key ingredient or piece of advice for his dark curse. Something that made it possible to enact, though I don't know what. We already know that Pan has an ability to track people from other worlds, including our own, since he gets children using the shadow. I'd say that ability is maybe skewed slightly since he keeps missing. <laughs> Kept missing until Greg and Tomorrow found <laughs> Henry. I think in return, Pan had some sort of a deal with Rumpel that prevented Rumpel from killing him without killing himself. Sort of the way Regina cannot harm Charming and Snow in Enchanted Forest, except that Rumpel can kill Pan but it requires his own death. Almost got a Harry Potter thing going on there. <laughs> but there's the issue of this doll. What is the doll? Isn't it funny? The things we haven't thought about in years still have the ability to make us cry. But not the ability to change the tempo at which we say every line. <laughs> he's you know, just creepy. I guess he's got all the time in the world. Yeah. He can just talk. He's just creepy. The guy that they got for Felix. Oh my gosh. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect creepy dude. I'm starting to think the casting for this. Perfect creepy dude. This episode so far, the casting is great. The Robin Hood guy even, and we'll talk more about Robin Hood later, but the Robin Hood guy they got that new actor i think is a better robin hood than the other robin hood i mean i miss that they recast the character but i think their casting was really good there the casting with peter pan really good the casting with felix really good yeah i i hope they keep this up with the third season with some excellent casting for each of these people like that we the characters that we may see they're just in big trouble if any of those teenagers voices change during the course <laughs> of this season well felix's won't I hope Hopefully not. it's just, uh, you know, kind of an 11-episode story arc. Kimberly suggested about the doll. She said, I think the doll that Felix threw at Rumpel was maybe made by Rumpel when he was a lost boy. We know Rumpel was trying to be a better man than his father, but we still haven't seen his backstory. No, we've never seen Rumpelstiltskin as a child. Or, I wonder what that'd be like. <laughs> or maybe it was something Bay used to make when they were together and he just recognized it. I And by the way, there's a really great forum thread oh. on this in our forums over at onespodcast.com slash forums. And uh, it's started by Rumpel's Girl, our forum moderator. I'll have a link to that in the show notes that you can check out. But I I, I don't think the doll has a connection with uh, Bay. I think that makes the most sense. Because I don't even know if he fully... Did Bay ever even specify that that's where he spent so much time? Neverland? Yeah. Well, he did say in the episode Manhattan... To said, Rumpel, I mean. Oh, telling Rumpel that yeah. he spent so much time mm -hmm. there? I don't know. I think it would be fair to assume it came up. The, the, 
Ex- barring the possibility, and it's a strong possibility, that it's a, just a big part of the story we haven't seen, Rumpel just, after hundreds of years of trying to find him, to his knowledge, lost his son. So if, in the most unexpected place, something clearly made by his son shows up, yeah, he's going to kind of have a little breakdown. But think about what Felix said, the things we haven't thought of in years. Yeah, I know. The but... curse was designed for Rumpel to get to Bay. I know. And that's all that Rumpel's been thinking of. That's been his main and only goal, really, is to get Bay. But certain pieces of the dialogue are not quite that precise, as I may mention when we get to the Enchanted Forest. <laughs> I have a suggestion. Mm-hmm. I do not think the doll can be based. I I think oh. it I think it's oh I think it's Rumpelstiltskin's because Rumpelstiltskin there's so much about Rumpelstiltskin we don't know he could have been in Neverland before and we we don't know his we don't know his history with his dad mm. the only I mean his dad's been mentioned so it only it makes sense that you know we would see his history and maybe maybe some part of his being a coward had to do with this doll and you know whatever it was that made Rumpelstiltskin cry. I wonder if maybe the doll was the last thing that Rumpelstiltskin's father gave him before he ran away, died, whatever happened there. Whatever happened, it was tragic. Tragic enough to make a grown man cry. The jacket on it is pretty distinctive, so that could be something that's significant later. Well, it was the only thing the doll was wearing. Well, I know, but it was very distinctive. It wasn't just like, oh, little peasant clothes. It was like, it was this blue jacket with this sort of trim, so. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And it looked new. If you think about it, nothing gets old in Neverland. True. Maybe. No, it has to, because time. Well, There's I, no time. I Well, we'll see. Although all the, lost, age. all the lost boys' clothes look dirty and ragged and stuff. Well, yeah. maybe and not. The Jolly ragged, Roger but... is damaged. I mean, stuff happens. It's not like yeah. time's frozen, right? They're just not aging. Yeah. They can still be killed. Well, <laughs> I don't know if they can be killed the normal way. Tamara was Tomorrow. still alive for some reason, barely, barely. But she was until and... until a rumple. Yeah, and Greg probably dead. Yeah, but he died magically. So maybe yeah. physically, maybe there's sort of a. I mean, doubtful, but there could be an invulnerability there. I just had a funny thought. Oh. What if the doll is somebody? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like the marionettes. Oh. Like, that... like Geppetto's parents. Well, yeah. Rumpel <laughs> did kiss it. Like, a, not like a romantic kiss, but like a, a familiar, fami- family kind of kiss. Oh, jeez. Like huh. a kiss of regret or of memory or of I miss whatever this doll represents thanks for painting that mental picture <laughs> it wasn't like a one of those ropey <laughs> I, get it, I get it i get it let's just move on there. oh it couldn't have yeah. been a doll that he made then because why would he kiss a doll that he made so somebody must have made it for him yeah either that or it would belong to somebody else that he really liked i i think that's a very good point it, it could have strong emotional attachment but I think it would be even stronger emotional connection with it if if it was a gift, like you're pointing out. Mm-hmm. So maybe it was the last thing his mother gave him. My thought this time was that maybe Pan and Rumple were just friends, but something that might make it a stronger possibility that they're related is the whole 
mention in other parts of the episode of blood magic. Like, you know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably significant for more than just the momentary plot device. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Well, we'll talk more about that in a moment, too. I think that uh, something that we really need to look at is thinking outside the box. I know there are a lot of theories that Rumpel and Pan might be brothers. What if, though, one of the reasons they're enemies is that Pan caused the great pain in Rumpel's life? Like, maybe it comes out that Pan is the one who killed Rumpelstiltskin's father, if that's the situation. Or or, um, something like that, some terrible thing that Pan was the cause of against Rumpelstiltskin in some way. But sometimes, I I mean, you guys are really smart. And everyone listening to this podcast, you are smart people. (laughs) And you have nailed theories before. You have predicted things very accurately before. And sometimes not so accurately, just like us, we make some major mistakes. So there are some great theories. Can you ever forgive us? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, I don't. Doc showed up there. (laughs) <laughs> but please go to the forums at oncepodcast.com slash forums to share your theories there. You can also comment on the show notes for this episode at oncepodcast.com slash 109. Let's move on uh, back to Peter Pan. Uh, actually, no, before we talk about him, Emma and the other four going on the island with her, Snow, Charming, Regina, and Hook. We've got five people, actually six people total on the island, which, by the mm-hmm. way, is somewhat of a lost reference. Uh, yeah, but that's all we're going to say about that. <laughs> we kind of missed earlier, I just have to throw this out there, Regina's favorite line of mine. Now may I resume killing her? <laughs> <laughs> or, that's right, Charming, fillet the fish. Uh, fish, that's right. That's exactly what she said. It is. Okay. It was what she was supposed to say. <laughs> when all of the five people then stepped on the soil, which you see that nice camera shot of all of them on the soil, the Emma then just takes charge of this. With her? With him? No, Emma, we have to do this the right way. No, we don't. We just need to succeed. And the way we do that is by just being who we are. A hero, a villain, a pirate. It doesn't matter which, because we're going to need all those skills, whether we can stomach them or not. Very a good speech. Yeah, but, well, I mean, she's essentially saying, be exactly who you are. Even if you're a bad guy, be that mm-hmm. bad guy, and we'll use that in order to win. Yeah, which is a little... I don't know. Yeah, not necessarily the best advice And always with the do it right as opposed to succeeding... I don't understand that. It it reminds me of some of the promotional pictures that ABC did just before the season started. Like one of them says, believe that a pirate can be a hero. Oh, I'll try. If he, uh, you know, stops murdering innocent women. And they're using their unique skills. It's kind of like the Fantastic Five or something like that. Then uniting as they are in order to try to defeat this major foe. I didn't like, I didn't like um, Regina's line. I thought it was so weird. So, you want to be friends? Yeah. <laughs> Which... <laughs> she didn't say anything about being friends. There again, 
you know, maybe, yeah, maybe not friends, just friends not being themselves there. I thought, land. I thought that they established that relationship, saving the town. I thought they established that getting onto the boat and I don't know why we're still talking about it. We're getting Henry for now. Yeah. Essentially we're friends. I thought that was established, but we're still talking about it. Oh, well, I don't think they're friends. No, not friends, but they're supposed to be working together, and well, they decided that when they got on the boat. Yeah, you don't have to be friends to work with someone. Especially after that big fight that they had on the boat, where they were ready to kill each other. It looked like they were in the process of trying to kill each other. Like, even Charming was trying to use Hook's hook to stab him. Yeah. They were after each other, ready to kill, and now, yeah, they don't have to be friends. They just have to work Golly. together. Not having a, fru- a future... That makes people moody, apparently. (laughs) Then the I'm a mother thing. It's kind of like, have we gotten nowhere in the last two years? I thought we established also in the finale that Regina is a mother, too, whether we want to admit it or not. She pretty much proved that. Yeah. And why would why would Regina want to help Emma get back her son? I mean, Emma keeps saying my son and, you know, Emma, I mean, Regina I, if I were Regina, I would be kind of upset about that. I'm here for my son, not yours. He's mine. Well, they are both <laughs> Henry's mothers, and that's how Henry treats it. Because he did say, my moms will be coming, both of them. <laughs> and I think they are recognizing a little bit that they can both in some way be mothers to Henry. One of the other promotional posters ABC had was believe that a mother love is stronger than her dark heart and it had regina Hmm. on that poster uh, image and i I think that's the cool thing that we're going to see in this is that keep in mind mother family is not just a blood thing you can be a parent to someone the best parent possible and not have to have blood relationships with them Mm -hmm. love does not come through blood love comes through choice so adoption is a beautiful illustration, really, of love and choosing to love someone, even though they're not a blood relation. And we're seeing that then play out in Once Upon a Time and strengthened in ways to mm-hmm. show that, yes, both of these women have equal love for Henry. Yeah. Yeah, Regina is a terrible mother. She's been a terrible mother, but she it didn't end up happening, but she sacrificed herself for she Henry. She intended to die. And, well, we don't know how good As of a mother... Regina. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know how good of a mother she was during those years before yeah. Emma came. I mean, yeah. She raised him. She sacrificed for him, obviously. Yeah. yeah. She took care of him. So she was being a good mother. But when Emma showed up, as someone pointed out in the chat room, she was a controlling mother. Yes. Yeah, and it's kind of her crisis point that she has to decide... How does she love Henry, and how does that love play out in her relationship and pursuit of rescuing Henry? I, it makes me wonder, will Regina help Emma get her son back, or will she get out of the way? Am I having a double standard <laughs> with the way I talk about Hook and the way I talk about Regina? I don't know. Uh, well, okay, <laughs> let's remember, yes, Regina has done bad, bad things. She's killed far more people than Hook has. Mm-hmm. Regina has been far more evil in both of her lives. Mm-hmm. I mean, Storybrooke and Enchanted yeah. Forest than Hook has. So, yeah. yeah, she's really the worst one 
of this. <laughs> but yet that doesn't mean she can be she can't be redeemed. Right. Let me let me say that again, just to be clear <laughs> on my senses. She can still be redeemed. Correct. Correct. And she wants that, I think. Yeah, I guess there's maybe, and maybe that's what it is. There's less of a line in the sand for Hook. It's kind of like, he's just him. Sometimes he's killing, sometimes he's nice to Emma, you know, it's whatever. But Regina, she's either doing evil or doing good and she's at war. So maybe that's why I see it differently. Maybe you see it differently too, because Regina's never called anybody a slag. (laughs) 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 She's she's called people some things. I guess not that. Uh, Maybe you just have a pirate thing. Maybe you just don't like pirates. (laughs) Let's talk about Pan. The last major point here to talk about before we move on to Enchanted Forest or anything else that you guys want to bring up. Uh, Stepping back a little bit in the episode timeline, Pan had said to Henry, you think you're the first person who thought his parents would come rescue him? Almost makes me wonder if maybe Pan felt that. But then I could also see that explains that Pan sees all of the kids who have been brought there. Yeah. It also that. made me think that he went, you know, he, he got out of character for a moment and he was like, you're ridiculous. You're like every other child here. <laughs> and then he just, I mean, just it looked for a moment that he was being Pan. But we didn't notice it because we didn't know he was Pan yet. <laughs> well, anyone who heard. I still some... can't believe. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that that was cool how he played that. And again, big props to the actor, Robert Robbie K. And you can follow him on Twitter. It's R-O-B-B-I-E-K-A-Y underscore Robbie K. And I'll have that Twitter link in the show notes as well. So you can follow him and tell him how awesome he is and playing this part. Oh, so well, really. But when he explains the pixie, pixie dust to Henry and reveals that, a thought I had, a couple thoughts. One is, can Peter Pan even fly? Maybe that's part of why he needs um, the heart of the truest believer. And maybe why uh, the pixie dust wasn't glowing in his possession. Anything like that. You know, it's funny. When they were flying and they were all covered in green... They kind of looked the way Pan looks in the Disney movie, hmm. dressed all in green. They just It kind of had that uh, impression for just a second, even though that's not what he's wearing. Well, uh, another thought is, could, could maybe the pixie dust help everyone to fly home? But he doesn't want that, does he? Or does he? Or does he? Does he want to leave Neverland? Maybe. It could be something that maybe... He's connected with the island, and therefore he can't leave. I know we're making so many Lost references here for those who watch Lost. And uh, and we received some emails, too, making more connections, uh, like six people going on the island, six certain people were following with the island, all of this stuff. Yeah, sure. But maybe he's somehow connected to the island and can't leave, and he thinks that maybe with Henry's true belief heart thing, maybe that can <laughs> make pixie dust active Maybe then he can use pixie dust to escape, or maybe he needs pixie dust for something, or maybe just pixie dust can help other people to escape. Maybe that's how Bay escaped Neverland and Hook. Maybe it was pixie dust. Maybe. Maybe maybe it's bunnies. Or maybe it's... Hmm. Maybe it's a lot of stuff we haven't seen yet. Yeah. 
Or maybe Pan was just faking and he really can fly like a pro. They just need to sing about it. He's not himself. He's not? He's not himself. The Pan that we have read about and watched Disney movies on, this is not him. So something's off. And if he can't fly yet, I'm not surprised because he's not the Pan I know. (laughs) Well, Peter Pan in the books was quite mischievous. Yeah. And there are a couple connections here that Slurpees 108 points out, also especially with the Echo Caves, some connections with Tom Sawyer. Slurpees 108 said, I noticed a potential literary illusion in the heart of the truest believer. While pretending to be a fugitive boy, Peter Pan tells Henry that he will take him to the Echo Caves. This reminds me of McDougal's Cave, which features in The Adventures of Tom Sawyer by Mark Twain. I remember that. The main reason I bring this up, this point up, is because Kitsis and Horowitz told Entertainment Weekly last year that Tom Sawyer is one of the classic literary characters they'd consider putting into their show. Uh, Maybe the Echo Caves are a nice nod to Mark Twain's novel. And she explains further, in the novel, Tom and Becky Thatcher sneak off to McDougal's cave where they get lost. Tom sees a human figure up ahead and Tom yells out for help not knowing who it is, yet much to Tom's horror, the man he had witnessed committed a murder in Jinjo has been using the cave as a hideout. Fortunately, the echo of the cave masks... Let me just say that again. The echo of the cave masks Tom's voice, which causes Joe to run away. Also in the 1953 Disney cartoon... Peter Pan uses the echo of Skull Rock to trick Mr. Smee into believing his voice is that of Captain Hook. In doing so, Peter Pan orders Smee to release Tiger Lily, who has been taken prisoner by Hook in hopes of luring Peter Pan to his death. Spoilers! (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) The echo of the cave proves to sufficiently confuse Smee, who then humorously gets chastised by the real Captain Hook for disobeying his original orders. And what was the Echo Caves described as being? Uh, a place where they can't track. Yeah. Or another way you could look at that. It's is a confusing place. Confusing. Yeah. <laughs> like even uh, with bats, I, I hope I'm quoting this correctly. You're going to quote bats, bats now? You can create certain um, echoes against bats that will cause them to completely lose their direction because that's how bats work with navigation. They're amazing at, with echolocation. I can do it too. Yeah, well, you can show me after the podcast, (laughs) or try to show me. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So, they land, Peter Pan reveals that his true self as Peter Pan, and just so much of his attitude, his his countenance is so different. Yeah, just that awesome switch that takes place. He's like a little boy, Regina. And how she transforms. <laughs> he's just, he's got it. He's a pro already. It's like a little boy, Regina. <laughs> he's, yeah. I'm just remembering that time when we, it was a, a special feature and it was one of the writers talking about Regina when she mm-hmm. goes off set for a moment to turn into the evil queen. Like she just, she gets in the zone and we didn't see Peter Pan do that, but. Or whatever his name is. He was scary. Yeah, he was scary. And his his face changed. He's good. He's still a bit of a boy, though, because he even said to Henry, let's make it a game, a puzzle for you to well, solve. Well, yeah, Peter Pan's always like that. But then he gave away the answer. 
Peter Pan. <laughs> he didn't give away the answer. No, we didn't. wouldn't be theorizing. Well, of who he is, his identity. Oh, no, no, no. He was asking who's telling him. The whole or, thing. Henry was asking, how did you know I was Henry? So that was the puzzle to yeah. be solved. So we don't know. Yeah. Let's make it a game equals I'm going to make you wait. <laughs> Pretty much. A long time. I'm going to carry you to strange places. <laughs> <laughs> Peter Pan is mischievous. So the, he, this character is spot on. He's evil as well, but he's also mischievous. And he said that for a long time, he sought the heart of the truest believer. I mean, yeah, a long time because timeline-wise, it was a couple hundred years ago that Bay came in and Peter still had a picture or had a picture of Henry back then. Which is then. weird. Mm-hmm. How did he get that picture? Yeah. It's a puzzle and a riddle to solve. And why does he want the heart of the truest believer? And how did he know Henry had that heart? Wow. Well, the the pixie dust <laughs> the pixie dust thing was a test. Yeah, it was a test. Maybe but he's how done that did test he with others. Know that Henry had the heart of the truest believer because wow. he passed the test. No, no, no. And he was Henry looking for him drawing. for centuries. Yeah. How did he know to draw that? Yeah. How or did he? Did he know the seer? Or did he? Maybe he knows a seer. Maybe one of his children are seers. Kelsey, Kelsey sent in an email saying, I have a theory why Peter Pan is searching for Henry's heart. I believe that Peter Pan wants out of Neverland, but currently has a curse that doesn't allow him to leave unless he is replaced by a true believer. I think the traditional story applies to Peter Pan as to how he got to Neverland, <gasps> and that is fairies carried him. But once he arrived, that's where Once's interpretation takes over. I think Peter Pan needs the heart of the truest believer to replace his spot as Peter Pan. I think Peter Pan, during his time in Neverland, grew bored and decided he wanted to grow up. Thus, the search for Henry began. However, one day he met a girl, Wendy or Tinkerbell, that made his search for more di- made his search more dire because he fell in love. Thus, his search for Henry grew sinister. And more desperate, which led to the creation of the home office. Thanks for the wonderful podcast from Kelsey. Thank you, Kelsey. Great message. What if Henry becomes Peter Pan? What if? Or the dark one. What well, if he somehow becomes both? What if? What What if he becomes Peter Pan <laughs> like Rumpelstiltskin became the dark one? Yeah. Uh, what if he has to throw, overthrow Peter Pan in order to become Peter Pan himself? Hmm. That would be interesting. The new pan. The Henry new pan. pan. Henry Pan. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't actually fit. <laughs> well, what if what if this is some kind of rank system where he became, and Peter Pan is like a title, not his actual name. Yeah. Katie sent in an email. The dress Pirate Roberts. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Katie said, so when a Pan finds Henry, he says, you think you're the first boy who saw his family, who thought his family is coming for him? So I thought, what if Pan was the first boy? That might be why he's evil. Love the podcast and hope you enjoy. What? Yeah, what if Peter Pan was a lost boy himself and somehow mm-hmm. rose to power? I don't know. No, I don't know. Seems that like would mean that, that would be the case. He basically is that, isn't he? Isn't he the most powerful lost boy, essentially? No, he's Peter Pan. Peter well, Pan's not yeah, a lost boy. but they've all got names. They're just not all... 
him. He's Peter Pan. Every group's got a leader. Dairy. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's certainly quite scary, quite fearsome. And we have yet to see that because this whole thing, I mean, even the way he ends, the last thing that we see in this episode is uh, that he wa- he's treating this still as a game, as he says, let's play. And all the boys come around as if it, this is some kind of game to them almost. He sort of ferociously says, let's play. It's going to be fun to see the whole Peter Pan lost boy. Ripping dy- apart Henry thing. <laughs> dynamic. To get his heart. I mean, That's, that'll be a fun dynamic to maybe to watch. Hopefully, so far all they've done is menace. They just kind of shuffled in a circle around Henry, and it was kind of like nice menacing shuffle guys. Right now, Peter Pan and the Lost Boys seem like a very unfriendly gang. A little mm-hmm. bit. What if we get Peter Pan's backstory? I want to. What be if? Cool. Because right now I, he's still a kid. The actor. Robbie Kay is still a kid, so they could easily film backstory to find and- kid. Okay, yeah, teenager. They could easily film his backstory right now because if he went to Neverland after some backstory event, then he wouldn't have aged. So they don't have to try to show yeah. an age difference. You just, really. Yeah, you just mean they don't have to worry about age. Yeah, they don't right. have to get a Bailey Madison for a Peter Pan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> unless unless they want to start really I think far back. Bailey Madison is so good. I think she could probably do it if she wanted to. <laughs> I think they no, picked that an awesome. Make any sense. Robbie Kay was an awesome pick because he he looks, you know, he's tall enough to be considered not a boy anymore, but he's got such a boyish boyish. Yeah. yeah, I can't speak tonight. Boyish face. He is eighteen though, and I mean, he, he's he's his face is just perfect for Peter Pan. Yeah, he looks he, boyish, but almost not. He plays the part so well. Yep. Please follow him on Twitter at Robbie K, R O B B I E K A Y underscore, and let him know how much one's podcast thinks he's amazing for the part. He is amazing. He was in one of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies mm-hmm. on Stranger really? Times. Yeah, he was uh, <gasps> the, uh, the cabin was he? boy. Yep. <gasps> I never no, saw no, no. it. Was he the young? Um, oh, what's his name? Cabin Josh Turner. Boy? Was he, did he play the young Josh Turner? He's just listed as cabin boy. Yeah, so I, I don't think so. It's been a while since I've seen those movies, so I don't even remember seeing him there. I just know that he okay. was in Pirates of the Caribbean. Okay. He's been in other movies too, but what I saw in his credits were that um, the parts that he played in some other prominent movie, on now I forget which one, the part was actually cut from Aww, the actual release. Poor Robbie So he didn't K. end up being in it. Anyway... I am going to enjoy watching him. He's a good Peter Pan. Before we move on to Enchanted Forest, I want to thank some people. Dina81, David Newland, and Lisa Slack. Thank you so much, you guys, for being donators to this episode of One's Podcast. And not just this episode, but Dina, David, and Lisa have signed up to automatically contribute every month. And you can contribute with a one-time donation or ongoing monthly uh, contributions we call them subscribers and you can do that at oncepodcast.com slash sponsor but we really appreciate the support because it does cost to run the podcast and costs are constantly going up with the purchases of resources we have to get to review or some not everything is provided to us for free and hosting the website everything has these costs so 
when you contribute to that. We are so, so very thankful for that, that we could just fly in a green puff of something. So wow. Dina, 81, David Newland, and Lisa Slack, thank you so much Big for your donations. Something. Thanks, guys, <laughs> with a thanks like that. <laughs> if anyone else would like to donate, please go to onespodcast.com slash sponsor. And thank you for your support. Let's talk about Enchanted Forest. We won't spend much time here because not much really happened. But at the beginning is... Aurora. Sleeping Beauty. Uh, Neil. Neil. Sleeping Neil. Beauty, Neil. Yeah. <laughs> Neil Beauty. Beauty, Neil. But, but, A new ship. <laughs> not really. Not really. Neil, or I mean, uh, Aurora describes... <laughs> Even you're confusing them when they lay yes, on that same yes. thing. Aurora describes this whole dream thing. Hmm. I was once under a sleeping curse. Snow told me how to control the nightmare, and with practice, I'm able to walk the dream world, find others like me who've passed through. It's possible I can make contact with them. I just hated that they hit us with this so early in the season. Maybe First they wanted to episode. get it out of the way. Like, yeah. don't worry, guys. Not going there. Good. Don't associate Aurora forever with the Red Room. Well, I don't think this implies Red Room. She says, oh. walk the dream world. She said, once That's I control the nightmare, no, oh. it's a- the Red Room was the nightmare. Remember, Charming, when he went under the sleeping curse, he, he had- went to a different room. Yeah, True. he did, but... He broke it. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. But he hadn't broken the curse yet. Nobody had broken his curse yet. I think the Red Room was reserved for people who had... Who had Broken that curse. True. But in, I think that... He was in limbo, and that was the place he was but in. But it was kind of a stupid... I mean... I, <laughs> I, I don't know. There's a lot of logic there. Well, anyway, I, I like that they've addressed this and moved it out of yes, the way yes, to show, so no, happy. we're not going to use this, sure hope they won't. Uh, this Skype for dreams. <laughs> here, but here, right around this Nod Skype Father for Roderick. dreams. Yeah, Father Roderick mentioned that in Secrets That's of Once Upon a Time. <laughs> and, and look how rarely it works, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, right around this area was where the line, at least the main line that made me say, maybe we can't always look at some of the dialogue to be super precise. Mulan says, look at his clothes. He's lying. He's from the same world Snow and Emma are from. Really, Mulan? Where is Snow from? She's from the Enchanted Forest. She just got taken to that world by a curse you know about. So why could this guy not be from the Enchanted Forest, too? Well, it, I don't think she back, was thinking that way. Yeah, but, but also, how dumb is well, she? because She's when not. Emma and Snow came to present day fairy tale land, and she'd never met Snow they were, before, they were dressed in modern clothes. And yeah, there was no, there seemed to be no implication that Mulan knew of Snow before. But Mulan knew of Regina the Queen. Right. But what I'm saying is that she knows very, very well that it is entirely possible for someone from the Enchanted Forest to show up wearing those clothes. She knows that. Someone that was once in Enchanted Forest, but they were from, as in like where they directly came from, they were from Storybrooke. Blah. Blah, blah. His clothes do not mean that he's lying about being from the Enchanted Forest. Okay. Anyway. Well, it's pretty good evidence that he's from somewhere else, though. Or at least they questioned him to find From the out world where everyone got taken in the curse. <laughs> from the Enchanted Forest. Logic, Mulan, dear. Please. 
<laughs> Neil was kind enough to explain for us how portals work, that yeah. they take you to wherever you're thinking of. And so, so think nice. back to all of the times that we've seen portals used. Bay, when he first used the portal with uh, Rumpelstiltskin, Bay was thinking of going to a land without magic. Mm-hmm. He wanted to go someplace where Rumpel didn't have magic, where they were free from the magic. That's what he was thinking of. That's why he ended up here. Mm-hmm. Hook thought of Neverland both times when he directed the ship into the portal, both in the season finale as well mm-hmm. as in the episode The Crocodile. Hook and Cora both thought of Storybrooke when they used the regenerated being that was regenerated from Lake Nostos waters. But the wardrobe ashes created that vortex in the pool that needed the compass in order to direct it. Uh, so it couldn't just, just thoughts wouldn't work. You needed the compass in order to direct that. And then uh, Greg and Tamara were thinking of Neverland, probably, when they jumped through the bean portal. And then Neil, when Tamara was the one who threw the bean and activated it, it was Neil who chose his destination mm-hmm. of what he was thinking when he went through the hole. So it's not who throws the bean. But I would say it's who goes through the portal. Yeah, goes through or directs the the walking through the portal, like ship, uh, like um, Hook directing the ship into the portal. Not everyone on the ship had to think of Neverland. Think of a happy thing. Yeah, I was kind of wondered about that too. Like, be careful, everybody! Don't think about somewhere else. Don't think about the lava planet. <laughs> Just don't even. This ship can't do that. Don't go there. I like that Neil did actually slip innocence and use the word or the words fairy tale to describe how our world looks at their world. But then he had to explain that. He said legend, characters in a story. They made a movie about you. It was pretty good. (laughs) Disney made it. Disney can sell extra copies of this. I loved all that. That was that was great. Which it kind of surprises me that Disney didn't advertise Mulan on DVD or Blu-ray during this episode. Instead they advertised the Little Mermaid many times in the commercials oh, during maybe Mulan's the in the vault area. or whatever they do. Yeah, they might still be working on that to bring it to Blu-ray if it isn't already. But maybe more people will buy copies of Mulan from this. I've still right. never seen it. You haven't? No. Well, hey, hear it from me. Hear it from Neil. It's pretty good. Okay. <laughs> the first <Great>. one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. There are a couple things here, odd questions, but they could maybe be easily answered. How like did Rump- who made all the footprints on the sand where Neil and Mulan were walking? That. How did Neil know about his dad's castle? Because Neil oh, didn't live there. Oh, you're right. But it's very possible during the off-screen time that we haven't seen, maybe Mr. Gold told Neil, I have a castle now. Here's exactly how you get there from anywhere in the enchanted forest. So that no matter where, if you should happen to end up there, you can get there pretty darn quickly. Or how did he know using this? (laughs) Oh, or that. (laughs) How did he know using the stick would open something? Yeah. I've wondered about that with the the (laughs) stick and this leads to the conversation of blood magic. I'm not sure. I kept watching that scene over and over, trying to figure out, was he doing this expecting something to happen? Or was he doing this just because it it was something he used to do? It was something fun, whatever. Maybe he saw his dad do it. He was flinging that thing around like, hey, I had hundreds of years in Neverland to learn how to fight. 
Well, yeah, the way he wielded that thing was mm-hmm. kind of like, I got mad bow fighting skills. Yeah. So Bow being a solid stick from <laughs> right. martial arts. B-O. Blood magic is either important to the overall plot of the story arc, or blood magic equals squid ink. <laughs> you know, it's one of the two. So it's either just a momentary thing that was convenient or it's going to come into play again. Yeah. I thought it was really cool how Mulan looked pretty thoughtful when she was discussing Neil's relationship with Emma and like, like she was kind of internalizing things, especially when she said something about um, his commitment. It made me feel hopeful then she's going to go find her prince <laughs> instead of trying to steal someone else's. Yeah, she seemed to know quite a bit about love, even though we haven't really seen that. And like even when Neil found the crystal ball, mm-hmm. she knew how to use it. Yeah, Or she, she suggested how to use it. She said, she don't think of a place, think of a person. That reminds me of when Mr. Gold told Emma how to cast the protection spell around Mr. Gold's pawn shop. He said, think about who you love, who you want to protect. It's um, Magic is emotion. Mulan knew that. It seemed like Neil didn't quite know that. He was trying to think of a place, not a person, you know, a relationship. It doesn't really seem like Mulan's gotten her full happy ending yet because she doesn't have, she doesn't have her prince yet. And... She had a prince, you know, to my knowledge. In her story, she got a prince, and it was her commander. Maybe she'll like Robin Hood. <laughs> yeah, Robin Hood. Well, where is Maid Marian? Yeah. I don't know. don't know. Blood magic. <laughs> is that your answer to everything? <laughs> well, <laughs> facetiously, hopefully that's not going to be their answer to everything. Hey, to basically explain how blood magic works, think of it like... A fingerprint unlocker of the new particular smartphone that's out there, which would not work for one son. It wouldn't, but if you, <laughs> if you, if it was like a like a blood sensor, it would work for. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gross. Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily magic that Rumpelstiltskin used so that it could be uh, manipulated by Neil. Well, but, but I he think said family's was, important, so yeah. he important. kind of implied that it was. That's specifically why he did it. Yeah. True. Yep. Oh, but speaking of Robin Hood, why is he still there? Post curse. I mean, first it seemed he's a he's a hobo. Well, our understanding at first was that the curse left no one. Then we found out it left a bunch of people that were supposedly in Cora's dome, which wasn't that big. Now there's Robin Hood, who's you know fairly prominent, and apparently enough people to have looted the castle. Yeah. Well, those could have been people that were in the dome. Think about how many people were in the village. Maybe there were even more people than that. The the little safe haven. It could be. I'd like to see a map. (laughs) I'm just, I'm curious Maybe all these people were underground and they were under the dome. (laughs) Underground. (laughs) Check out underthedomeradio.com. I wasn't even talking about that. (laughs) Well, I took it. (laughs) Yeah, you did. Yeah. I just want a little... (laughs) <laughs> Two years later, I just want a little uh, a little curse clarification. Maybe we'll get that now that we're spending a little more time there. By the way, uh, one thing I didn't want to pass up too much is Susan had also brought up the same point that you did, Jenny, 
And I think you've got a great point there that the look on Mulan's face when Neil was talking about rejection. Mm -hmm. And Susan also agrees with you that uh, it looks like maybe she feels that rejection. Fear of rejection. Susan even thinks maybe she is scared of Philip rejecting her. And Ah, so she won't tell him how she feels. No. Philip is not her prince. (laughs) Shang is her prince. Get your own prince. Get Shang. He's yours. Your prince. The crystal ball. Did you recognize it? The ball itself, not the stand it was on. No. Nope. Well, do you remember... Is it yours? (laughs) Do you remember an episode of the second season when someone asked Rumpelstiltskin, you still want the ball? (laughs) Oh. In the episode, the doctor, Jefferson, had gone to, we presume, maybe Oz... Because he got this crystal ball and Rumpel had also asked about the slippers. And this Rumpel decided, yeah, I'll go ahead and take the crystal ball. It's probably the same crystal ball. And back in that episode, which was podcast episode 60, if you want to check it out, onespodcast.com slash 60, we pointed this out and we theorized that maybe this ball was from the Wicked Witch of the West in The Wizard of Oz. And it was Sean who had suggested that uh, back then. As where this crystal ball came from. And now Neil is using it to see places. I don't care if it turns me green. (laughs) (laughs) So some really interesting directions that this could go. I think we'll be seeing more of Robin Hood and this uh, group going places. We still have yet to see how Philip got out of the wraith. Uh, I think we might see that story yet. Maybe it will be something like uh, Robin Hood asks it and it somehow brings up the story or whatever. They may still deal with that and show us that because that is, of course, a question. How did he get out? And we uh, know it must have happened very quickly based on the timeline. But Neil in Enchanted Forest, where is he going to go? How is he going to get there? I'd like to see him... I, I don't know which direction I want this season to go with who goes where. <laughs> um, but I expect that we will be on Neverland or in Neverland for uh, probably the rest of these 11 episodes. Probably. Probably. And then everyone will live happily ever after. <laughs> Not really. Maybe. Then something else bad happens. But listeners... Bad things. <laughs> We would love to have you join us in the forums over at onespodcast.com slash forums to share your thoughts and theories on this episode and much more. If you want to comment on what we shared in this discussion, please go to onespodcast.com slash 109. You can also check out the screenshots and links that we mentioned over there in the show notes. And big thanks to Winnie for writing the show notes for this episode. We are very, very grateful thanks, for that. Winnie. <laughs> Write a thank you in there. in the show notes (laughs) (laughs) and also make sure that you are following us on twitter you can follow the podcast on twitter at once podcast and we are launching our new podcast once upon a time in wonderland podcast very soon it will be launching by the next episode you hear from us on once podcast so uh please when that comes out 
subscribe to it, rate it, review it in iTunes, because you won't get that Once Upon a Time Wonderland conversation here in one's podcast, but you will be able to get it in their separate podcast when it comes out, which we'll announce in the next Once Podcast episode. Our live schedule is now Once Podcast is recorded, initial reactions, Sunday nights, 9.15, Wednesdays at 8, Once Upon a Time in Wonderland podcast is recorded Sundays at 6 p.m., and these are in Eastern Times over at oncepodcast.com slash live. And I mentioned earlier the podcast awards. Nominations are now open. Please nominate Once Podcast for awards, and it's really easy to do. Go to podcastawards.com, and there are several categories there. Please nominate once-once-upon-a-time-podcast, and make sure you write it that way, for both Best Produced and Entertainment. You can only put it in those two categories. Don't put it in every category. That'll mess things up. But put it in those two and put in the URL once podcast. But we also have a bunch of other podcasts in the network. In fact, we just brought on a Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, which you you can check out at welcometolevel7.com. And we've got some other great podcasts in the awards uh, or we'd like to see nominated for the awards. So we need your help. You can only submit your nominations once. You only have to do this once. The voting starts later. But you can find out more information and sign up to receive a daily email reminder when the voting starts over at oncepodcast.com slash podcast awards. And please make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast on iTunes or whatever podcast program you like to use and leave ratings, reviews, thumbs up, likes, whatever in that place. Please follow each of us on Twitter. I'm Daniel J. Lewis, and you can follow me on Twitter at The Ramen Noodle. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. You can follow me on Twitter at Fleegon. That's P-H-L-E-G-O-N. And I'm Jenny. You can follow me at twitter.com slash Jenny's Nook. Make sure that you send us your feedback after the next episode of Once Upon a Time. That's feedback at oncepodcast.com. And until next time, let's play! And thanks for listening. Once Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Big thanks to our sponsors for this episode of Once Podcast. If you'd like to donate to make Once Podcast possible, please go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor. Hi, Oncers. I'm back. Hunter Hathaway here with your spoilers for Once Podcast. Season 3, Episode 2, Lost Girl, is directed by Ron Underwood and written by Andrew Chambliss and Kalinda Vasquez. The ABC press release for the episode states, While Emma, Mary Margaret, David, Regina, and Hook continue their search for Henry in Neverland, Peter Pan appears before a startled Emma and offers her a map that will reveal her son's whereabouts. But the only way to make the map appear is for Emma to stop denying who she really is and come to grips with her true feelings about her identity. And Mr. Gold receives some unexpected advice from a friend that could lead him to understand his life's journey while in Neverland. Meanwhile, in the fairy tale land that was, when the evil queen presents Snow with an offer to live her life with charming and peace, with the caveat that she give up her claim to the throne, Charming makes it his mission to ensure that Snow doesn't take the offer. 
Now, I've gotten a sneak peek to the episode, and I have some more juicy details for you. We get to see how a shadow is ripped from one of our regulars and what it can do. The Evil Queen is back in all her glory in past Enchanted Forest. We also get to see our favorite dwarf, Gumpy. And Belle has a surprising role in this episode. And what is with that doll that drew Rumpelstiltskin to tears? In casting news, in case you have not heard yet, Ariel and Prince Eric have been cast. Joanne Garcia will be playing our favorite mermaid. You will recognize her from Animal Practice and as Cheyenne from Reba. While her prince is being played by Gil McKinney from Supernatural, Friday Night Lights, and ER. Both will make their once debut in Episode 6. Edward Kitzes and Adam Horowitz talked with TVLine.com and I found out some wonderful spoilers for you all. After last week's episode, is Ariel a mean mermaid? Nope. She's going to be different from what you saw in the premiere, Horowitz assures. Ed Kitsis, the spirit of Ariel is somebody who wants to see the world and experience new things, and that is definitely similar to our Ariel. What about Rufio? Though one of the summer's casting calls used that name from Robin Hood Williams' Hook movie, I don't think we can show him because he's the property of Columbia and Sony Pictures, Kitsis explains. Tinkerbell and the Darlings are in, are integral to the Peter Pan story, and we have not forgotten about them, says Horowitz. There is a tie into what we are doing with them as well. Okay, so what's the deal with Robin Hood? We're definitely going to get a lot of him in the second half of this season, says Kitsis. And finally, Neil is going to get back to Neverland, Kitsis says. In other spoiler news, we get to see how Henry was adopted in Episode 9. The Pied Piper is coming. Don't know when or where, but he'll be here this season. Tinkerbell and the Darlings will appear this season. Tinkerbell is making her first appearance in Episode 3. And finally, the title for Episode 8 has been released. Think Lovely Thoughts will air on November 17th. That's all I have for you today. You can follow me on Twitter at Bit of Pixie Dust. Until next time, oncers.